I'm going to go through uh, some really interesting things this morning as we talk about uh, some things that Gideon was facing in his life. Uh, Gideon was a warrior. Uh, He was a man that God used in a tremendous way. Uh, And so here we see Gideon's 300, and they are are battling, doing what they can to further God's kingdom. Uh, As they are trying to further God's kingdom, there's some mess that they have to get rid of. How many have ever came home one day and said, Man, this place is a mess. My kids have got to clean this stuff up. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they came home, and in essence, they were looking around, they thought, You know what? This is a mess. We're going to have to clean this stuff up. If it's going to be what it needs to be for God, then we're going to have to clean this mess up. And so that's what Gideon was doing. Uh, he looked around. He saw, the, he saw the condition that everything was in. And he was just like, Lord, you're going to have to give me strength to clean this mess up. Hey, sometimes we, as we even look in our individual lives, you know, you ever looked at yourself and thought, man, I need to do something about this. You know, I'm sure at some point, maybe all of us have it. If you haven't, maybe you need to. Uh, Just look at your own life and say, you know what, there's some things, hey, listen, we all need work. And so we look at our own life, we examine ourselves, and we say, you know what, I need to work on this, I need to fix that, I need to kick that out, I need to keep this in. I mean, all different kinds of things. And so as Gideon looked around, there was lots of things that needed to happen. Uh, And so as he looked around, he saw some things that, you know what, with God's help and with some help from others, uh, he was going to try to take care of. Uh, some very needful things. And as we take a look at it here in just a moment, you're going to see, and I definitely think you'll agree with me, on why these things were so important that he got rid of these things that was in the way. And so let's take a look at it. Let's begin the latter part of Judges chapter 7, and let's begin there in verse 24. And the Bible says, And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down now uh, against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took the two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. And they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb. And pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side, Jordan. And so we see that one of the first things that took place is Gideon, as he looked around and saw uh, everything that needed to be done, what he did was, was he, he sent out a call. And this call went out, to, went out to the people of Ephraim and he in essence said, Hey, I need your help. You ever done anything like that? Called somebody, and he, hey, listen, we all need help sometime or another, amen? Well, he sent out a call, and his call was a call for help. Listen, there was a mess that needed to be cleaned up, and he needed, he needed God's people to help, him get th- to help him get things done. And listen, that's how the church succeeds, right? Uh, it, we, we succeed because the Lord Jesus is in the midst of us, and, and we answer the call of God to serve and do whatever it is that the Lord's calling and asking us to do. And so we help, we're able to help the church to succeed in that way and help the church to be what it needs to be. Of course, the Lord Jesus, the center of everything that there is. And if he's not, then there is no success because Jesus said, Without me, ye can do nothing. But we see here that Gideon sent out this call. He needed some help. And so he called on the people of Ephraim to come and help him. And so what Ephraim did is they went out. They answered the call. And they went out and they slew these kings, Oreb and Zeb. But you say, well, what's so interesting about these two kings? Well, it's very interesting, of course, when you understand their makeup and what they're all about. Now, uh, 
The interesting thing is, is we see the one man. Notice there in verse, verse 25. The Bible says, And they took two princes of the Midianites, and the first guy's name, his name was Oreb, or Oreb, however you want to say it. But uh, we see that his name had the idea, his name actually means raven. That's what his name means. You say, well, why is that so interesting? Well, one of the things that we find in the scriptures and we see about the raven, the raven in the Bible is actually seen, uh, you can see it as a picture of Satan. Now think about this. Now whenever Noah and, we, and the flood and all of that, Noah let out a bird. And we always think about the dove that came back. But the dove wasn't the very first bird that was let out. The very first bird was a raven. But you know what happened to that raven? When he let that raven out, the raven never came back. The Bible says a raven went out of the ark and it just flew around and flew around and flew around. And the raven never came back. A raven is, uh, the raven is a bird that is a black bird. It is, uh, has glossy feathers on it. And it is a bird that whenever it attacks, it likes to attack the eye. And it attacks the eye because it likes to blind its prey so that they cannot see. And so you think about uh, that in aspect of orb. So whenever, whenever uh, Gideon looked around, what did he see that was infesting their camp? What did he see that was infesting their nation? What did he see was one of the very first things that they needed to kick out. That presence of the devil was there. I mean, there was a demonic presence. There was an evil presence. And so right from the very get-go, he's like, you know what? We got to clean this place up. We got to get this mess out. Listen, if we want our lives to be successful and, and, and successful as the way God sees success, not as the world sees it or even our own personal view, but if we want our, our, uh, to have a successful life in the eyes of Christ and we want to be prosperous in the eyes of Christ and uh, a successful marriage and, and, and all of these things. And when I say successful, I don't mean that hard times are not going to come and you're not going to have difficult moments. How many of you know you've been saved for a long time? You know that just because you're saved and just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't go through some hard times. Amen? Uh, we do. So what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is as, as Gideon looked around, he said, you know what? There's some things that are really defiling our presence. And that is, of course, the devil himself. And so he says, we got to get, we got to clean this place up. We got to get this out. And so he calls for help because Gideon knew he couldn't do it on his own. Hey, nobody can do everything on their own all the time, right? Everybody needs some help. And so he sent out the call. There was a response. The people answered and they went down and they took, they took care of Oreb, who was like a, a picture of Satan, so to speak. This raven who, uh, this raven who was like a, a picture of the devil. Now, I know there's somebody out there that studied the Bible and you say, well, didn't God use the ravens to uh, bring Elijah some food down there by the brook? I mean, wasn't that a good thing? Well, yeah, it was. It was a really good thing. But you know what the Bible also says about the devil is that he, uh, that he uh, transforms into an angel of light. You know that? The Bible says the devil, he transforms himself to an angel of light and he says, be not deceived if his ministers do the same. And so we see that the devil, in essence, is coupled with good works but with a deceiving heart. Does that make sense? And so the raven is seen and pictured as, uh, pictured as uh, a, a type of Satan in the Scriptures. And as Gideon looked around, he says, we got to get this raven out of here. we got to get Oreb out of here. He don't belong. Listen, as long as the presence of this evil is in our life, as long as the presence of this devil is around us, as long as all this is here, we're, we're, not, gonna be, we're not gonna be able to be what we need to be. We're not gonna be victorious like we need to be. We're gonna have to clean this mess up. And uh, listen, we've all have, we all have a trash day. 
Amen. You have trash day sometimes at the end of the week. You know what happens if you don't have trash day every once in a while? It, gets, it starts piling up, don't it? And then it starts stinking. And then you get unsightly things crawling around all over stuff. And it starts looking real bad, smelling real bad. Listen, we've got to have trash dates sometime in our life because our life begins to stink up. And so when Gideon looked around, he says, you know what, it's trash day. There's some things we've got to get rid of, and Oreb is one of them, and I need some help to get rid of him. And so he, called, he sent out the call. They came. They helped him to get rid of Oreb. But this raven was, as I said, this raven, he likes to attack the eye. Why does the devil like to attack the eye? Because I tell you what, if he can blind you, you don't know where you're going. You can't see. You're, you're confused. Think about this. What is one of the very first things? You go back to the Garden of Eden. What is one of the very first things uh, that the devil used against Eve whenever he got her to the tree? The Bible says that she looked up and saw the tree, that it was good for food. You know, the devil uses oftentimes, I believe, the eye first because he knows if he can get to the eye, he can confuse the soul, confuse the mind. If he can get to the eye and he can get them to look long enough and then he can get them to think long enough and mesmerize them long enough, then he can get them to a place where he can convince them. And that's exactly what he did. And so we see that as Gideon looked around, he says, you know what, Oreb is in our presence and we got to get rid of him. And if you got some, thing, if you got some things like that in your life, then you must get rid of it. It is, it is not something that we can just question and wonder, well, you know, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not all up for keeping the devil in my presence all the time because he's there a whole lot and I don't like to deal with him. And so, you know, I'm not all about, well, let's just let him make a house here. Listen, we're all fighting. We're all dealing with things. And we all have our battles. And listen, the devil's interested in every single life here this morning. And if you're following God, the devil wants to do everything he can to mess it up and mar it up as much as possible. And as Gideon looked around, he said, you know what? We have an orb in our midst and we need to get rid of it. He says, you know what? We have this evil that's in our home. We have this evil that's in our presence. I can never be what I want to be for God as long as this is here. So what are we going to do? Well, what did they do? Well, when they went after Oreb, what did they do? They cut his head off. They killed him. They killed him. The raven, he likes to attack the eye. Why? He wants to bring confusion to your heart, bring confusion to your soul. Get you to this place where you're blinded. But then there was another one that was there. Not just Oreb, but we see the one who is there is called Zeb. The Bible says there in verse 25, And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb, and Zeb. And the Bible says, And Zeb, he said, they pursued him, and they brought the heads of Ord and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. So they killed Zeb. Zeb, his name means killer or to sacrifice. And so we can obviously see from the very get go that someone that you don't want in your presence is a killer. So they need to get rid of him. Both of these attributes are just like the devil. What did Jesus say about the devil? He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he looks around and he sees Gideon looks around and he says, we got an orb in our midst, we got to get rid of him. Uh, not only that, but we have, a, we have a Zeb in our midst and we need to get rid of that too. He is a killer, he is a murderous person to all of us. Everything that he does, he does nothing good. We got to get rid of him. He is infectious to our personal life. He is infectious to our home. He is infectious to our family. He is infectious to our community. He is infectious. We need to get rid of Zeb. 
But he knew he couldn't do it on his own. He needed some help. So he called the Ephraimites, and the Ephraimites came, and they helped. And how did they treat him? They cut his head off. They didn't try to persuade him. They didn't try to talk to him. You know, the devil will do everything he can. See, you try to get rid of sin in your life. You try to get rid of things that don't need to be there. The devil will do everything he can to talk to you as long as he can so that you forget all about taking care of business. Well, I got to get, you come to this place in your life and you say, okay, you know what? I got this orb in my life. I got this zeb in my life. I got some things I need to get out. I got some things I need to clean up. And as soon as you go to do it, the devil's going to be like, well, you know, if you do, what about this? And if you do, what about that? And the devil do everything he can to get you to make that great compromise. Well, maybe not completely get him out of the way, you know, just maybe we'll just leave a little bit of it there and enjoy it every once in a while. Well, maybe we won't just completely forget about it. Maybe we'll get to it later. No, the whole idea was that when you see things that are in your life that are defiling and polluting and are stinking up your life and you see that it's bringing you nothing but pain and sorrow and misery, what do you do? Are you, are you nice to it? Do you try to fondle it and take care of it? Do you try to cuddle it? Do you try to make it feel better? What do you do? You get rid of it as quickly as possible and you cut it, you cut it off at the head. And that's what they did. And they got rid of Oreb and they got rid of Zeb because they saw, you know what, these are infectious to our life. There comes a time and point of our life when we have to say, you know what, this is infectious to me. This is infectious to me. And this, is not, this isn't doing me any good. This isn't helping me out. And I'm no longer going to cuddle it. I'm no longer going to coddle it. I'm no longer uh, going to care for it and caress it. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to do exactly what God's told me that I should have done a long time ago. Because what will happen if you don't, the devil will do everything he can to get you to compromise with it. Now I go back and I tell this story all the time and I've told you guys many times before. When the devil came to Eve, when they were in the garden, when the devil came to her, they were not at the tree at the time. The longer she spent with him, talking to him, lo and behold, they just happened to end up there. Why? Because the devil had a plan to deceive her. The devil had a plan to get her exactly where he wanted to get her so that whenever he could get her right there, he could blind her eyes towards God, peck out her spiritual eyes towards God and get her to be blinded and so tunnel visioned and focused on her own flesh and her own sight to where all she could see. When the Bible says she looked up and saw the tree that it was good for food. The devil does the same thing to us every single day. Let us not be blind to that very fact. The devil wants to do everything he can to get your focus and get your mind off of the most important thing, off of what, off of what you really need to, to get you to this place where you are so confused and so doubting so many things because that's where she was at. She was at a place, Eve was at a place where she was doubting the very things that God had told her. And the devil had just come right on out and said, well, you know, God said that you're going to die. And, and, she, and the devil says, no, uh, no, nah, nah, you're not going to die. That's just what he said. It's not going to happen. The devil do everything he can to get you to compromise in your life. And when you get that place where you compromise in your life, the next thing you know, you find yourself reaching up and grabbing a hold of that fruit and taking a bite. 
Gideon looked around and he said, you know what? I've got an Oreb in my midst. I've got a Zeb in my midst. And we've got to get rid of it. We're not going to play around with it. We're not going to mess with it. I'm not going to be a snake handler today. I'm going to kill it. The Bible says right here, there in verse 25, the Bible says that Oreb and Zeb, they slew them. The Bible says they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. What a blessing that was. He called the Ephraimites and the Ephraimites went out there and they'd done their job and they helped him to cleanse the land as it needed to be done. And just as every church across America and every, uh, every God-fearing person that we have out here today, listen, we need some help cleansing our country of this evil wickedness. And how's that going to come? It's going to come from God's people. Listen, you can't expect a worldly, unsaved, lost people to cleanse the world. I mean, you don't take a dirty rag. You don't take a dirty rag to, uh, to clean up the kitchen, do you? No. What do you do? You take one that's clean. And you clean the mess up with it. The good thing about the Lord Jesus is that when we, we, clean, when, when we, we clean up the mess, that we have a Savior there that's able to cleanse us. Amen. But we see that here they are. They are destroying Oreb and Zeb and what they are. We get down to chapter 8 and we get down to verse 1. The Bible says, The men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou calledest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they chided with him sharply. And so as, uh, as, uh, as Gideon went out to go fight another battle, they were upset. Listen, you could have called us to come down there and help you too. Aren't you glad that there are people in your life, listen, they fight and they fight and they fight, and then when you go and fight some more, they're still there to help you fight some more? I mean, Gideon, he called them and asked them to come and help, and they did what they were supposed to do. And so Gideon went on his other direction to go, to go fight the Midianites. And whenever Ephraim heard about it, they said, Listen, why didn't you call us? We'd have come down there and helped you. Man, I praise God. I tell you what, I praise God for the people that are willing to stand up for you and help you fight. Listen, we're in a spiritual, we're in a spiritual fight in this world tonight, in this morning. We're in a spiritual battle. You think that everything that's taking place in this world today is, is uh, if you think they don't have anything whatsoever to do with the devil, then you are sadly mistaken. And the raven has poked out your eyeballs. Listen, the devil's active, the devil's busy, and he's doing everything he can. And what we got to do is, is we got to fight. God's people got to fight. And we see right here, listen, it's a spiritual battle. And we see right here that he needed help. People responded to it. And they were upset. They said, listen, you, you didn't call us to come help you. The Bible says there in chapter 1 that they did chide with him sharply. And he said to them, what have I done now in comparison to you? He says, listen, you, you've done all these things. I haven't done nothing like you've done. But I tell you what, I just praise the Lord this morning for folks that are willing to stand up with you and help you serve. Stand up with you and help you fight. Listen, these churches all across America today, they need people standing up with them to help them fight. They need people to stand up and help them serve. As we move on down, we're going to see there in verse 4 that as Gideon was pursuing this enemy, the Midianites, it could be this morning that there is an enemy that you're pursuing. It could be something that, is, that you are battling with today, whatever it is. Nobody may, even know about it. Nobody may even know what it is but you. Maybe it's this secret battle that you're facing on the inside, this secret battle that you're fighting yourself. Nobody knows what it is, but this morning, this very morning, right here where you sit, you're fighting it maybe even right now. 
battling it even right now. And you're saying to yourself, hey, you know what? I would like to be like this Gideon and I would like to examine myself and maybe perhaps you've done it already this morning and you said, you know what? I've done it already this morning. Listen, you know yourself. You know what your own faults, your own, uh, fa- uh, faults are. You know what it is that you, uh, what, your, what, what it is that makes you fall. And so you already know what it is. And so as you sat here this morning, you've already examined it. You maybe perhaps have already even named it out and called it out and you said, Lord Jesus, I need help with this. And the devil's done sit there and told you this morning, you may as well give it up because it ain't going to happen. You are stuck with me. Not so. Not so. Listen, you can have the victory. Just stop cuddling the sin. Stop cuddling it. How in the world are you going to cut the head off the snake if you're going to sit there and pet it all the time? Amen. Just being serious. How can we cut the head off the snake if we're just going to sit there and pet it? Oh, this is my snake, and I love it. What's that message that Cody's Orange brought? Talked about the person who, uh, the people that had these pet snakes. If you have pet snakes, I'm not getting on to you this morning. So I'm just saying a pet snake sermon, okay? But Cody's Orange brought a sermon one time that talked about a, a woman that had a snake, and that, or that was, a, or that was out there at... Uh, yeah, this woman that had a snake, and as she had this snake, it was a big old huge snake, like a big ball python type thing. Thing had gotten out of control. Well, she calls 911 one day because the snake, of course, gotten out of the cage, and while she's asleep, the thing comes up to her and starts eating her and sucked her whole arm in. Okay? So her whole arm is inside this snake, and the people are there, they're ready to help her, and they say, we got to kill the snake to set you free. And she says, don't kill the snake. I love my snake. I'm being honest to God with you this morning. Don't kill the snake. I love the snake. You're going to sit there and say to me, what sense does that make? Why in the world would I want to cuddle this snake, this snake that has no remorse, this snake that has no feelings for me whatsoever, all it wants to do is eat me alive and, 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 and digest me. That's what it wants to do. So that you no longer ex- exist and that no trace of you even exists ever again. But I love it. You've lost your mind. But as Christians, we're sitting around this morning. we got snakes devouring our life. And instead of cutting it off, instead of getting rid of it and doing everything we can to get rid of it, we're just, it's just sitting there. got our whole arm up inside of its mouth. We're, we're halfway down its belly. And some of us maybe perhaps feeling like we are already in its stomach. But we're in there just saying, oh, it's so nice to be in here. We got snakes swallowing us up whole and eating us alive and yet we're just sitting there petting it like it's our best friend. He gave another illustration and talked about how there was uh, folks out on um, missionary missions and you got folks out there that worship snakes as gods. And this snake was out there, got a hold of one of their kids and was eating one of the children. So folks went out there to try to help free the child from the snake and face resistance from the mother, I think. Face resistance from the child's own mother 
and told the people not to kill the snake because that was the God's way of accepting her child. And we're just going to stand there and watch her child get swallowed whole and eaten by a snake. You say, how in the world can anybody do that? We're doing it every day. Every day. How much longer are you going to sit here and let yourself get eat up? How much longer are you going to sit here and let your, let your family get eat up? How much longer are you going to sit there and watch your kids get eat up? The devil is going to do everything he can to compromise with you. Oh, don't kill the snake. If you rub it long enough, maybe it will just let go. Maybe if you just call it, maybe if you just talk sweetly to it, it will release its grip. No. Its purpose is to kill you. And that's what the devil does. And Gideon looked around and he said, you know what? We've got some orbs here. But there's a Zeb here. There's an orb here. Zeb, his name means wolf. His name means wolf. You know what a wolf is used as in the Bible? You go over to the book of John, you see the Lord Jesus describes himself as the great shepherd. And he tells his people to beware and to be watchful. Because there are wolves that come in in sheep's clothing. The wolf seeks to devour and seeks to destroy. It's not a pretty picture. And that's exactly what Zeb was. He was a destroyer. You know another name they use for the devil? Destroyer. That's exactly what the wolf is. He was there to devour. He was there to destroy. And the Bible doesn't have anything nice to say about it. And the Bible says you've got to watch out for people like that. And as Gideon looked around, he saw that there was a zeb there. There was a wolf in their midst ready to devour the sheep, ready to devour God's people. And he looked around and he saw an orb there, an orb that was, uh, that was ready to, uh, to blind his people. An orb there that was, that was a, a picture of Satan himself. And he says, you know, we've got to get rid of it. And we're not going to coddle it. We're not going to play with it. We're not going to try to talk sweet to it. We're going to chop his head off. And the Bible says there in verse 3, verse 4, I'm sorry, as Gideon can, continued to follow the Midianites. The Bible says that Gideon came to Jordan and he passed over, he and 300 men, because you have Gideon's 300, and there are Gideon's 300 are chasing thousands. And he and 300 men that were with him, watch, watch this now, faint yet pursuing them. They were tired. They were wore out. How many of you have ever been tired this morning? How many of you have ever been wore out this morning? How many have you ever been tired and wore out? And that's where they were. They were faint. They were tired. They were wore out. But they knew that there was enemies in their midst that they had to defeat. And they couldn't leave not a one. Because if they did, it could spell disaster for the whole lot. And so they knew, listen, we got to get rid of Orb. We got to get rid of Zed. Ephraim came down. They helped him to do that. So now he hightails it after the Midianites. Because there's two more kings over there that he has to get rid of. And one of them's name means sacrifice. One of them's name means killer. 
And he knew that he was going to have to get rid of him. Because that's what he sought to do to all the people. Was to destroy everything that they had and to kill them all. And he says, you know what? We've got to get rid of him. But the Bible says that Gideon and his men, that they were tired. The Bible says they were faint. The Bible says that they were wore out. Now, how many of you have been fighting this morning, fighting all week perhaps, fighting all month, perhaps fighting for years now, and you're tired and you wore out? You've been fighting certain things, dealing with certain things, whatever it is. You can name it right. I don't, you can name it right off. I mean, it can just, you can spit it out right now. And you know exactly what it is, whether it's a besetting sin or something else, that, a situation that you've been dealing with and you're tired and you're wore out. But you know what? The Bible says that Gideon didn't quit. He didn't give up. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he pursued. He pursued there in verse 4. He says he went after him. He passed over the Jordan, him and his 300 men, and they were faint, but yet they were pursuing. They had this attitude that they weren't going to quit. They weren't going to give up. And they were tired. They were wore out. You know, but you know what? They said, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. This is a needful thing, and we are going to stay the course until it is gone. The reason why most of us never achieve victory in our life, whether it's on any scale, whether it's out in the workplace or even in our spiritual lives, is because we quit too soon. And how many of us, you've heard me say a million times before, were right there at the door of victory. But because we threw in the towel, we never received the victory. But we were right there, right there. But we forfeited it because we were tired and weary, lost our vision, and no longer saw the need to keep chasing. And we began to compromise with the devil, and we said, I'll just live with it. I'll just deal with it. Well, let me ask you. How's that dealing with it going? How's that, how's that dealing with it working for you? I guarantee it works just as good for you as it does for me. And you battle and you battle and you struggle and you struggle. It ain't worth dealing with. You say, what do I need to do, preacher? Cut its head off. Now, if we're talking about a person, I'm not saying go out there and cut somebody's head off. And I got that. on, on It's recorded. I'm just telling you, listen, we got things that we fight this morning. We got things that we deal with and we get tired and we get wore out in the midst of it. Don't stop. Keep pursuing. You can win. You can have victory. But along the way, the devil's going to do everything he can to poke your eyeballs out. The devil's going to do everything he can uh, to, to destroy. The devil's going to do everything he can to lead you in the wrong direction. But you keep fighting, you keep pursuing, don't you quit, don't you give up, you can do it. Don't pet your snakes, don't feed the ravens, don't listen, uh, don't throw, don't throw uh, every, your, your good stuff to the wolves. You keep fighting. The Bible says there in verse the Bible says there in verse 3, the Bible says, on verse 4, the Bible says they were faint, but yet they were pursuing. And you get down to verse, uh, you get down to verse 5, the Bible says, And to the men of Succoth, give, I pray you, uh, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint that I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Maiden. And so we see there in verse 5, I'm not going to be able to finish the message this morning. I'll finish the rest of it tonight, so come back tonight and hear it. 
But there in verse 5, he gets to this place where he's with God's people. He's with, with good people. And he says there in verse 5, as he is pursuing his enemy, as he is pursuing the destroyer, which is going to relieve them all, because the enemies that he is fighting is going to bring peace to all of them. But isn't it amazing? They're all willing to enjoy the peace. They're all willing to enjoy the comfort. But none of them is willing to stand on the line. Only 300 are willing to stand on the line and take the fight to the enemy. Against the thousands. Only 300. And everybody was willing to enjoy the peace. And everybody was willing to enjoy the comfort and the relaxation. Everybody was willing to enjoy the blessings that was going to come from getting rid of these enemies Nobody was willing to stand on the line and get out their sword. Nobody was willing to stand there and cross over the Jordan and fight. Nobody was willing to be faint and tired and wore out. You say, preacher, I'm already faint and tired and wore out. Well, what do you think about the what do you think the 300 are? And the Bible says there in verse there in verse 5, when he got to this town where there were people there that could help, where there were people there that could be a blessing. The Bible says he got there to verse 5. The Bible says he said to the men of Succoth, Give, I pray, ye loaves of bread unto the people that follow me. Talking about his men. For they be faint. And he tells them, listen, I'm following after Zeba. I am, I am trying to slay the destroyer. I am actively, me and my men here, we're tired and we're wore out. And they, they, need, they need some food. They need some rest. We are actively engaged in pursuing the destroyer to bring peace to the land. We are actively fighting and we could use your help. We can use your comfort. Because I'm fighting the destroyer. And then he mentions the other name, Zamuna. His name means the shadow or the forbidden idol. And as he, Gideon looked around, not only did he see an Oreb and he seen a Zeb, but he seen one who was called the shadow or the forbidden idol. And he says, and we can't have that here. And Gideon says, I'm actively pursuing on getting rid of these things from the land and I could use your help to do that. The Bible says there in verse 6, and the princes, and we'll stop here. The Bible says in verse 6, and the princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? In other words, they said, Have you done it yet? No, you ain't done it yet. We're not even so sure you can. You and 300 of your men. And you're going to defeat the destroyer. You're going to defeat the shadow. You're going to defeat the forbidden idol. You and your 300 men. You actually think that y'all are going to get the victory. You actually think that you're going to win. And you're telling me to help you. If I help you and you lose, then they're going to come and defeat me. What they forgot in the midst of it all is that God was on Gideon's side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? If you haven't learned already throughout your Christian life, in any of your studies of the Bible, you see that God's not interested in numbers. 
What did God use with Samson? He, God took Samson, one man. And Samson reached down there and he didn't pick up a sword and he didn't pick up a, uh, an axe, but he reached down there and picked up the jawbone of a donkey and slew thousands. If God can take one man and slay a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, imagine what he can do with you. If we would take a step of faith and say, you know what, I know the enemy that I'm fighting is big. I know the army is great. I know the army is powerful. But who is more powerful than the God that we serve? How can we possibly say that God, that the God of heaven that created all that there is, how can we possibly say that the God of heaven who, uh, who filled up the oceans and created all the fish and put the great whales and, and, and the God that formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed to a nostril the breath of life, how can we possibly say that that God cannot defeat the armies that we face, the enemies that we face? How can we even begin to imagine that? God said with him, all things is possible. If God could take a man and take, if God could use a man, he could reach down and grab the jawbone of a donkey and slay a thousand Philistines. <laughs> Imagine what he can do with you in your life. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight because when you start looking, you know what the devil does? He starts pecking your eyeballs out. Oh, don't look. Don't look and see how good God is. Don't look and see how big God is. Don't, don't, don't look and see how powerful He is. You just stay in darkness. Confuse you. And when that confusion comes and you start living in darkness, you don't get to victory. Peter, always use an example. Lord bless him. Took his eyes off the Lord Jesus started sinking. As long as he looked at Christ, he was fine. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started sinking. The devil wants to peck your eyeballs out this morning, and he wants to destroy your life. He wants to be the shadow in your life today. He desires your worship. And so what we see here is as, as Gideon was pursuing these enemies, he looked at the people and he said, Listen, we could use your help. My men are tired. My men are weary. We need some help. We need some aid. The people had lost their vision. They had forgotten how big God was. They were so afraid of their enemy. They were so afraid of their enemy that they couldn't make God as big as he needed to be. Did you know, did you know that one of the, reason, that one of the main reasons why they wouldn't help is their fear was so great. Their fear was so great that it clouded their vision to where they could no longer see how big God was and they could only see how large their enemy was. If the devil can get you to forget to see how, forget to see how big God is and just get you to see how big he is, how are you going to win? Let me ask you this. We talked this morning about the speech test. I didn't pass. We talked this morning about the speech test there in Sunday school. Now, I'm going to give you a vision test. Now, I dare say every one of us here this morning, even if you got your glasses on, you can see, give you a vision test. As soon as the service is over and you walk out that door, I guarantee you you can do this. You look up there at the sun, 
How many of you would say that that son is bigger than you? All of us would say that's a stupid question. Well, isn't it kind of, isn't it kind of the same way we ask him how, how big is God? We look up at the sun. We all agree this morning the sun is far bigger than us. But yet, our image of God in times of fear is like taking your thumb. I guarantee you, you can take your thumb and you stick it straight up in the air. And if you position your head right, you can probably block out the sun with your thumb. Does that mean that the sun's not as big as your thumb? No. You know what it means? It means you let something small get in the way of a big God. That's what that means. You know why we don't get victory sometimes in our life? Because we let small things get in the way of a big God. We let small things get in the way of our faith. You say, how in the world? We do it every day. We pet our snakes. We let small things get between us and God. And Gideon looked around. He said, I can't let that happen anymore. I got to do something about it. And Gideon went down there to Succoth and he asked for help. You know what the people of Succoth did? He said, nope. We're not helping you. You know what the Succoth means? It means, in essence, to hinder or to stop the approach. You're going to run across things in your life that are going to hinder you and stop your approach as you do what you can to defeat things in your life. And the devil's going to do everything he can to stop your approach. The devil's going to do everything he can to put people and to put things in your life that will hinder you or perhaps even try to stop you from attaining the victory that you so desire. And so Gideon, he got down there. He said, listen, we can slay the enemy right now. But listen, my men are tired. They're weak. We need some help. Will you help us? And they said, no. You know what they were? They were a hindrance. They were a hindrance. They were, a, they, they were a blockage. And that's what, sucketh, that's what sucketh means. It means to block or to hinder the approach. And the devil's doing everything he can as you are actively pursuing to slay the giants in your life, to hinder your approach and to block you with any means necessary to keep you from getting victory. But what I find amazing is that we have Gideon filled with the power of God with 300 men filled with the power of God and what are the Midianites doing? They are running and there's thousands of them, but yet they're saying they're so mighty, and they're saying they're so great, and they're saying that they're so brave, but yet they are hightailing it through the thickets to get away from God's people. And the devil wants to bring you to that place where he say, buff himself up and say, listen, this is what I am in your life, and I have control of you, and you can never defeat me as he's running. The Bible says... Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The problem is, in that equation, is that we don't find ourselves submitting to God. And we're doing all the resisting. You want victory? Submit to God. Let God be in control. Submit yourself to him. Surrender. You ever get to that place where you say, you know what? I'm sick and tired. 
You ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? And when you, you get to that place, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired about this. And I'm not going to stop until I cut the head off of whatever it is that is bringing me the pain and misery in my life. And the devil's going to do everything he can as you submit to God, as you submit to God. The Bible says, and you resist. The Bible says the devil will flee from you. The problem is, is God, the devil's got so many of God's people running because we put small things in front of a big God. What are you going to do this morning? You going to keep running? You going to keep pursuing after your enemy? You're going to get rid of that which is bringing you so much pain and sorrow in your life or are you just going to pet it this morning and say, I just like my snake. I know it's eating me alive. I know it's destroying my family. But I sure do love it. Isn't it nice? I don't know if I've ever seen a pretty snake. Decision's yours. I can't make it for you. Just understand. I'll finish the rest of it tonight. You just understand, it's serious business. This ain't no gain. Your life is not a gain. Your children ain't no gain. Don't gamble them this morning. Don't gamble yourself. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. You're so amazing. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, that God, that as we give the invitation, that they would come and have a desire in their heart to get saved. As the piano plays, whenever they get ready, and you talk to God, you spend some time with the Lord this morning. You examine yourself, don't not anybody else. Don't look at nobody else's faults. Don't be thinking about nobody else. You think about yourself. What is it that I need? Listen, you can't fight all this mess on your own. Submit to God, resist the devil. Get saved. Get filled with the Spirit of God. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Then you'll have the power that you need to be successful and to conquer these spiritual battles that you're facing. So if you're here today and you're not saved, you need to get saved. That's the very first thing. Nobody's looking but me and God, but if you're sitting here this morning, you've examined your life and saying, oh, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Or I'm sitting here this morning, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I want to know without a shout out that I'm saved. If that speaks of anybody here this morning, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Anybody, anywhere. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Or I know that I'm not saved. And I need to get saved. Does that speak of anybody here this morning? I can help you today. I can't save you, but I can point you to the, the one that can. Maybe here this morning, you're chasing down Midian and you're chasing down Oreb and you're chasing down Zeb and you're chasing down all these giants today and you're getting tired and you're getting weary. Know that I, I'll help you. You got a church family that'll help you. You got people to love you and care about you that'll help you. 
Don't give up. Maybe you're chasing some things this morning. Preacher, would you pray for me? Anybody out there this morning? Preacher, would you pray for me about that? I'm chasing some things this morning. I see. For everyone to stand, every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll close the service here in a minute. We're going to open up the altar this morning. You are free to come. If you want to come to this altar, just talk with the Lord. If it had anything to do with the message, may not have had anything to do with the message. Either way, you come, do business with God. If you need my help, I'm here. Would you come this morning? Whatever it is. God, I need your strength. Strength for the battle. But uh, I was just passionate about this message this morning. It really meant a lot to me.